Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 1. It says this, uh, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in the cities. Uh, when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, this is John the Baptist now, when he had heard about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Oh, my goodness. Well, this is our text for the evening. Let's pray. The Lord help us with it, and that he'll speak tonight. Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, mighty God, for the instruction, for the correction, for the encouragement, Lord, for the challenge, for the, uh, Lord, for so much that it brings into our lives. And I just ask, Lord, that tonight your word would accomplish what you desire it to. Speak by your Holy Spirit, mighty God. I pray that there would be an anointing upon me, that I would preach under the unction of your spirit as I ought to, mighty God, and that you would anoint every person within the sound of my voice this evening, that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking tonight oh lord let there be a liberty tonight in the mighty powerful name of jesus everybody say amen, amen. you may be seated I, I i love this this verse i love this story how many of you have ever had a moment in your life where you have doubted the lord you've doubted his word Maybe you've been offended by a lack of an answer to prayer. God, why did this happen this way? Uh, I think we've all had moments like that. Doubt, unbelief, offense, hurt. And I'm just going to say something right, right from the get-go. I believe that Christians generally are a lot harder on unbelief than God himself is. I really believe that. We look, and, and maybe you've heard me talk about doubting Thomas. You know the Bible never calls Thomas doubting Thomas. We look at this man who, by the way, was one of the most heroic people you see in all of the Bible. In fact, when Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. You boys better hang back. Thomas was the one who jumped up and said, I'm going to go with you and I will even die with you, Lord. I mean, this guy was it. Why don't, we, why don't we share that story? Why don't we talk about heroic Thomas or brave Thomas? We talk about doubting Thomas 2,000 years later. And you'll notice that even when Jesus showed up, he says, fine, listen, you want to see my scars? You want to put your hand in my side? Please, Thomas, come here. He didn't rebuke him for it. He gave him room to say, you know what, here, here, here it is, Thomas. I will give you place to believe who I am. And I want to look tonight at, at these moments. John the Baptist was having a moment of, of doubt. He was having a moment of unbelief. And, and there were a couple things in what Jesus said that I think will help all of us. Okay, so it's a very simple thing, but one thing that you got to realize is, I, and I want to be patient with John the Baptist because it's like, how could he not believe? But you got to realize, think about the message that John the Baptist spoke. Luke 3, 16, he says, I baptize you with water. They, the people were asking him, are you the Christ? They're asking John, are you the Christ? Had a powerful ministry, prophet of the Lord. 
And he says, I baptize you with water, but there's one mightier than I who is coming. His sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then watch this. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor. He will gather the wheat into his barn, and the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. You know what John is saying here? He's saying there's somebody who's getting ready to come. And if you think my water baptism is powerful, then just wait till you meet this guy. He's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with the fire of God. But part of what this ministry is going to look like is this winnowing fan. And I don't know if anybody's ever studied this, but the way they would actually separate wheat from chaff. Chaff is like this little shell that grows around uh, bushels of wheat. And what they would do is they would take it into this area called the threshing floor. They would put it in here, and sometimes there would be fans. Sometimes there would be like sheets or blankets that they would toss these, uh, toss the wheat into the air, and then they would take these massive fans, winnowing fans, and they would they would wave it as the wheat was being thrown into the air. And what would happen is the the chaff would typically fall off. The chaff was lighter than the wheat, and so the chaff would be blown out away along the side of the threshing floor, and the wheat would come back down, and so you'd have the pure wheat. And what would they do? They would gather the wheat, and they would take and burn the chaff. And John the Baptist, think about what he's saying here. There's somebody who's getting ready to come, and he is going to create a separation he has a winnowing fan in his hand. He is going to separate the wheat from the chaff. The wheat will be gathered to him, the Lord. But the chaff is going to be burned eternally. If you guys have ever noticed anything about the ministry of John the Baptist, it was a heavy message that man preached. I mean, he was, uh, in my opinion, I can show you this theologically, he was the last Old Testament prophet in the Bible. This guy was a gloom and doom carrier all the way. And I want you to think about what's transpired now. He believes that Jesus is going to come and he's going to expose everything that is false. He is going to bring and draw to himself all of the authentic believers. And John the Baptist believes that Jesus is going to expose every false belief, every hypocrite, every liar, every sinner. And they are going to be cast into eternal fire now. But when Jesus comes, his ministry looks radically different than anybody in that day believed that it would. Jesus came not with a ministry of separation, not with a ministry of judgment. And listen, that's coming. I believe in heaven and hell. There is a day. But Jesus blew open the door in what we would call this season of grace. Jesus came with a ministry of healing and restoration. And he even broadened the door to which uh, salvation would be offered not only to the Jew, but also to the Greek. How many, how many non-Jews do we have in the house tonight? Every single one of you. Yeah, well, I, actually, I, I know, I just found out that Tim, my friend, is, uh, is half Jewish. Is that right? Something. Okay, so <laughs> Tim, Tim might make it in. Right? <laughs> 
But most of the rest of us, I'm telling you, uh, uh, you better say thank you, Jesus, for opening the door to the Gentile. Because that's what we, unless you're of Jewish lineage, that, that's where we are. And so, so you understand, these guys in this day, including John the Baptist, were very confused about the ministry of Jesus. This is why, honestly, I even like, I'm, I'm a little patient even when it comes to the Pharisees and these guys. Can you imagine if you were raised your entire life being taught? This is what the Messiah is going to look like. Jesus comes, and he's not establishing an earthly kingdom. He's not bringing judgment the way that you expect him to. He's not gathering all the people. In fact, a lot of what he's doing is he's gathering sinners and heathens to himself. What in the world is going on? You're touching lepers. You're receiving prostitutes. You're ministering to all of these people that we're not allowed to even touch. You're healing people on the Sabbath. Jesus looked radically different than anything anybody expected. Even those who followed after him, think about what his disciples said. As Jesus was saying, listen, I'm going to go. And not many days from now, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Go and tarry, wait in the upper room. This is in Acts chapter 1. And in verse 5, they asked him in Acts chapter 1, they said, um, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Even his own disciples thought, Jesus, your ministry is supposed to look different than what it actually does. And there's something that I, I think we're going to help us. I mean, guys, we've all had moments, if we're honest with ourselves, we have all had moments in our life where, God, what you're doing is not what I expected you to do. God, you're not answering this prayer in the timing that I expected. I'm sure even hearing the giving testimony we did earlier tonight, they might have walked away from two car dealerships wondering, God, where are you? I've done my part. I've done my giving. Why have you not answered our prayer? But time three comes along, and now they see the faithfulness of God. How many times have we had in our lives where we try and do something, we pray, and, and we're disappointed with the way that God is moving? Well, this is what John was dealing with. He's sitting in prison. He's got good reason to be disappointed. But there's three things that Jesus really instructs him to do, and I think this is going to help us a lot. I can do this in 10 minutes. Here we go. Number one, how are you going to encourage yourself? Are you doubting, unbelieving? Are you broken? Are you in prison? Number one, remember the works of God. Remember the works of God. What has God done for you? Think about what Jesus, he tells John, go, well, he tells John through his disciples, right? Go and tell John what you see. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. You know what? You know what he's doing? He's saying, don't look at what I'm not doing. Look at what I have done. Look at what I am doing. He was shifting the perspective of John the Baptist. And I'm telling you, each and every one of us are going to come into moments where that's exactly what we need to do. Look at all of my unanswered prayers. Look at all of the areas God has disappointed me. Look at all of the things that are failed and broken in my life. Begin to shift your focus. Begin to rehearse where has God been faithful. 
Consider the fact that, you know what, you may, you may have a late bill over here, but think about the dozens and dozens of supernatural times that God has come through. You may have a broken relationship over here, but think about the relationships that he's mended over here. You may have lost loved ones, but think about what he's done in your own life, that you were lost and now you're found. Begin to rehearse what it is that you have seen God doing, and even what you see him, God, I, I know you're working, even right now. I know you're doing something, and I love one of the phrases Bill Johnson uses all the time, and I find myself quoting it all the time. It's impossible to pray and nothing happen. Do you have confidence that when you begin to lift up your voice and you begin to pray, especially if you begin declaring the word of God or the promises of God, things begin to happen? And you may not know it. You may not see it. You may not understand everything that's going on. But God is moving. And we have to trust. Don't give up. Don't stop asking, seeking, knocking, praying. Remember the works of God. Everybody say works of God. Works of God. It's very powerful. I already talked about I already shared some of that. You know, one thing that's really neat. It's a cool story. You might remember Peter when he denied Jesus. Three times he's around a campfire. And again, be gracious with these guys. Don't get so quick. Like, how could Peter have done that? Listen, if your leader just got carried away, accused by church people, because that's what happened, he gets accused by church people, and you know tomorrow he's going to hang on a cross, you would probably be denying, ah, yeah, I don't know that guy. I mean, really, put yourself in his shoes. You think you would have done better? Maybe you would have. But I think a lot of us probably would have gone down the same exact road that Peter did. But what's incredible about Peter is the Lord was so gracious to him. I love this. At the end of John, you'll remember that, that Peter and several of the other disciples, they're out on a boat fishing. And there's a man on the shore who cries out to them, hey, Try casting your net on the other side. And so they do exactly that, and they bring in this huge load of fish after having not caught anything all night. And all of a sudden, it clicks with them. It's the Lord. And if you read the story, Peter, he literally jumps out of the boat and swims to the shore because he's so excited that Jesus, he comes up on shore, and Jesus is making breakfast. Praise God. That's actually encouraging to me. Even resurrected bodies, we're still going to eat fish. We're going to still hang out. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's standing there and he's, he's making breakfast. He comes, he invites Peter, come eat with me. And, and then he begins to ask Peter the question. I think you all know the story. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. I love. And there's some stuff in the Greek there, but, but I want you to think about this in its simplicity. He asks him, anybody know how many times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me and let him respond? Three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Does anybody remember where Peter was standing when he was denying Jesus to these other people? He was around the temple, but specifically, anybody remember? He was around a campfire. Where is Jesus having this conversation with Peter? Around a campfire. Does anybody remember what was, what was the, 
time that Peter met Jesus. In fact, the first miracle that Peter observed was, cast your net on the other side. It was this moment of revelation. And you know what I believe Jesus was doing to Peter in this moment? He was causing him to remember. Remember what I've done for you, Peter. Remember who I am to you. And he allowed Peter to go back to this situation where he had failed the Lord. But this time he allowed him, let's try this again. You denied me three times, but how about this time you affirm me three times? You see what I mean? How Jesus is more gracious. Most of us would have said, well, Peter blew it. He's not going to be an apostle now. Jesus was gracious to him. And I'm telling you, he's going to be gracious to you. Are you disappointed? Are you wounded? Are you hurt? Are you in unbelief? What I would encourage you to do is do exactly like Jesus did with Peter. Recreate scenarios where you actually did all right. Go back to those things that maybe hurt you. And this time, try and bring the Lord into it. God, I know that I denied you here. And I know that I sinned here. And I know that I was wounded here. But Lord, this time, today, I'm saying I love you. I'm saying I'm going after you. I'm saying I've got a heart for you. God is so gracious. He's so merciful. He's full of kindness. He doesn't want to judge. I'm just telling you, we've been doing a study in the book of Joel, and that's exactly what he says. He's not his desire to bring judgment. He wants to leave a blessing with his people. You just got to come to him. He'll restore you. So we're going to remember, what was the first one? The works of God. Number two. Now, this is really simple. Maybe you didn't see this, but we need to remember the words of God. We need to remember the words of God. This is going to help you move out of disappointment, out of failure, out of all of these things. Now, you may not see this at face value, but did you realize that what Jesus was doing, he says to, to John's disciples, go tell John what you see and what you hear. The lame see, right? The blind, or not see, the lame see. The lame walk, right? The blind see. The, de the, the poor have the gospel preached. Did you know that Jesus is actually quoting to him a messianic prophecy? It's out of two places in the Bible. You can go read it on your own time. Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 29 are both prophecies about Jesus, the Messiah, and what the Messiah will do. And Jesus is reminding John, listen, you may think that I'm missing the mark on certain things over here. You may think, you know that I'm coming to establish a kingdom. You know that I'm coming to bring judgment. You know that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, but you don't see that yet. But here's what I am doing. Remember the word of God. And he points John back to the prophecies about him and what he is doing. It's very important. If you ever feel discouraged and unbelief, one of the greatest things, not only remember what God has done, the works of God, but begin to remind yourself about the word of God. Okay, God, my body is broken, but your word says that by your stripes I am healed. Lord, you, I, I know that I'm, I'm in pain right now, but your word says, call for the leaders of the church, anoint with oil, the prayer of faith will save the sick. You, you remember what the Lord has promised through his word, whatever the trial may be. And I'll tell you, I, I love technology in the sense that you can get some of the greatest teaching on the planet with a quick Google search. 
Like, you want a good devotion about prosperity? You want a good devotion about healing? You want a good devotion about emotion? I mean, it's, it's as easy as searching it. I, I love the Bible app. You get devotions for just about everything. Get that word in you. Get the word in you. Begin to remind yourself what the Lord. And, 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 and I, I forgot one thought, but let me just remind you. When the Lord restores, in, in James 5, it says that call for the elders of the church, anoint with oil. And it says the prayer of faith, uh, pray the prayer of faith. And it says if they've committed sins, they will be forgiven. And it says the prayer of faith will save or heal the sick. Now, um, for we've got some Bible school students here. I'm thankful. We will all learn, and maybe you've heard the word sozo. Does everybody know that word? Sozo. Everybody say sozo. Most of the time in the Bible when you see healing, being saved, or being delivered, you'll see that Greek word sozo attached to it. It's a very all-inclusive word about the works uh, the work of God in our lives. He will sozo you. He will save you. He will heal you. He will deliver you, and he will sustain you. Very awesome. But in James 5, it's a different Greek word. It's the Greek word ayanama. Everybody say ayanama. It's different. You know what that word means? It means that he will restore better than before. I want you to think about this. Restore better than before. It's like you blew your, your, your friendship. You blew your, your marriage. You, 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 you know, whatever it is, you blew it in the ministry. You blew it. You, it's like you blow it in all of these places in your life. I, I know we've had these moments. If I could only go back to before I blew it. But do you understand that when God restores something, it's not his, his intention just to bring you back to where you were before you blew it and, okay, try again. No. He actually says, I want to restore you better than before. Guys, grab a hold of that one. If there's any word in scripture you ought to grab a hold of, you think about those broken areas of your life and you say, Lord, I'm believing for you to ayanama these things. I'm believing you're going to restore not just to where I was a year ago before things got messed up. No, I'm believing you're going to make this thing better than it's ever been before. Now, here's the last one, and this is very simple. Number three, remember the heart of God. Remember the heart of God. Now, where do you see this, okay? This is what I want you to see. He, um, <laughs> I like what he, what he tells John. He says, tell John, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Have you ever had anybody tell you, don't be offended? <laughs> That's offensive. I tell you, even just preaching about offense, there's somebody, oh, here he goes. And you're already, you're, you're getting ready to get offended. I already know. I've discovered, there's a verse in the Bible, Colossians 3.13. I like, I don't know why I like quoting it out of the King James. Certain verses are just better in the King James. Be ye not easily offended. Let me give you a tip. This is not a good verse to quote if you're trying to diffuse an argument. <laughs> Tell you, my wife looking at me sometimes, 
Leah, be ye not easily offended. I tell you, yeah, I'm, I'm about to get slapped if I start quoting that. Uh, so don't use that in a marriage. I'm just telling you, okay? You, you pray that in your prayer closet. You, you know, exercise that in intercession. Uh, um. But here's what I... Here's what I love. Jesus, Jesus reminds uh, John, do not be easily offended. Now, I got, as an illustration, would you hand me that, Miss Mariah? Uh, yesterday, I was given a beautiful gift. It's upside down. Isn't, have you ever seen something like this? I don't know if you guys can see this online. Um, it's an awesome, beautiful lion. But this has all the, it has not all the, it has uh, many of the names of God. Uh, uh, you will call his name Jesus, right? Son of the Most High, living water, mediator, uh, messenger, bridegroom, uh, root of Jesse, right? All of these different things, uh, so many. And I, I, I love the names of God. You ought to get you one of these and hang it up where you like to pray. It'll be a good reminder of who Jesus is and what he does. But you know what I, you know what I've noticed about posters like this? And I've seen quite a few. I've never owned one until right now. But I've noticed that I have never seen on a list of the names of God or the names of Jesus, one of my favorite names. And it's found in 1 Peter. Where is it? I wrote it down. 1 1 Peter 2, 8. 1 Peter 2, 8. Does anybody know what Jesus is, is called in 1 Peter 2, 8? Do you know, Edwin, right off the top of your head? Yes, the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. Do you know that's a name for Jesus? The stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. Doesn't that sound, how many of you have ever met the rock of offense before? I think if you're honest with yourself, I think we actually all have before. You know what it's like when you get up in the middle of the night, and you're walking through, maybe making your way to the bathroom, and you, everything's foggy, and you go, and you, and you bust your toe on a table in the dark, right? This is a good salvation test, by the way. What comes out of your mouth in that moment. Oh, did we lose the live stream? That's okay. Well, <laughs> I'm just like, did somebody, did somebody get hurt? Um, that's okay. I love that. You know, my daughter is a leader. You know that my daughter is a leader. We've got a video of her. She's not even two years old. And Leah's sitting there asking her questions. Mariah, what do you want to be when you grow up? And without hesitation, standing there, a foot and a half tall, you know, 80 pounds already. She was a very big child. She, she says, I want to be a leader. It's awesome. And you know what's hilarious? Like, she'll get on Fortnite with her brother and all of their friends. She is the worst of all of them at Fortnite. And yet she's telling everybody what to do. Guys, come over here. No, this is what we're going to do. Gabriel, no, you need to do this. No, pick this up. This is where we're. And I'm sitting there just thinking, she's a leader. She's not even the best at this thing. Like, thank, you for, thank you for running to get that. It's going. Praise God. So I was saying, well, they could, they, they, I was saying, you're walking through the house in the middle of the night. You bust your foot on a on a coffee table, right? 
It's a good salvation test. What comes out of your mouth in that moment? Uh, things that you need to repent of or... Uh, I found myself just sometimes I'll just immediately break into tongues. I'll pray in the Holy Ghost as soon as I get something like that. You try that sometime. That is a, that's an offense. Did you know that the way you came to Jesus in the first place is you probably hit something that offended your life or your conviction? We, we call it Conviction. You're going about your life, and boy, things are great. I love my drugs. I love my relationships. Uh, you know, I love my sin, and you're just going about your life, and all of a sudden, something offends your heart. All of a sudden, you feel bad about something that maybe you've done for years, your entire life, and this, this rock of offense appears in your path, and all of a sudden, you realize that where I'm going, the way that I've lived is not the way that I need to continue to to live my life. You encountered the, the stone of stumbling. You encountered the rock of offense. Now, the accusation in First Peter, if you read it, is, uh, he's kind of making a case that, listen, you guys were offended and you did not respond the right way. Prayerfully, and I believe the fact that you're sitting in this room right now, we're worshiping together, we're opening the word, we're going to minister over each other, uh, you know, you've responded the right way. Jesus reminds John, don't be offended because of me. Don't be offended. We're all going to have moments, understand, where the Lord disappoints your expectations. And hear me, I, I worded that very, very specifically. God will never let you down. He will never fail you. But there are moments in our limited view where we think, God, you have failed me. Lord, you have let me down. You did not answer my prayer. But this is one thing I've discovered. God will give us what we need, not always what we ask for. He knows the timing in which we need an answer. He knows the method by which that's supposed to come. God knows what you need so much better than you do because he sees the big picture he sees the course that you need to walk in fact you know going back to peter as i as i come to a close on this i i love the fact that peter he was restored and i believe according to the word of god he was restored better than before in fact jesus elevated him in that moment and he said encourage your brothers i've restored you but all of these others, they've been hurt and they've been disappointed. But now that you've been restored, I want you to go. I want you to encourage them. I want you to feed them. I want you to build them up. You guys understand that some of you, the, way, the reason your life has played out the way that it, that it has, there's going to be a time where the Lord says, listen, I know you've gone through hell on earth. I know that it's been broken and I know that it's been ruined, but now you're restored. You need to share that story. You need to share that restoration. You need to share that miracle because somebody else, they're getting ready to go into the same hell that I've brought you out of. You understand what I'm saying? I don't blame God for my years of addiction. I don't blame him for my fatherlessness, but I know more times than I can even account for the Lord has used my testimony to impact so many people. And that's what he desires to do in and through your life as well. Don't be 
offended. And if me just saying that offends you, then that's a word for you. You'll feel offense. Just don't stay there. In fact, that's a good summary for the entire message. You're going to be offended. Just don't stay there. You're going to have doubt and unbelief. Just don't stay there. Be honest with God about it. Get right with people that you need to. Listen, you made me mad, but I forgive you. I love you. Whatever it may be. All right? Does that help you guys?